Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. I am the one who holds the key of David. In other words, I am the one who holds the riches to eternity, to the heavenly realm, to heaven itself. I hold the riches to those things. And so that's what is meant, and that's why Jesus mentioned this here in chapter 3, verse 7. Jesus said of himself, I am he who has the key of David. Thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio with Pastor Rob Kellogg. We learn today that because Jesus has opened the door, he gets the glory for it. Neither wealth or influence, neither promotional schemes, nor the eloquence of its pulpit, nor the harmonies of its musicians can give it an effective ministry. There is nothing that can keep them from their access to this door. Since Jesus is he who opens and no one shuts, and he who shuts and no one opens, he had the authority to keep this door open for the Christians in Philadelphia and continues to have that authority for us as Christians today. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, it says, For such a high priest, speaking of Jesus, was fitting for us, who is holy, he's harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. And so Jesus is separate from all of these things. He alone is the uncreated one. In fact, in 1 Timothy Chapter 6, beginning in verse 15, Paul, speaking to his protege Timothy, speaking of Jesus, he said, He is the blessed and the only potentate. There's only one potentate. There's not a potentate in Rome. There's one potentate, and his name is Jesus Christ. And it says, He is the only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light. I don't know about you, but that just blows me away to think that right now, the Lord, He dwells in unapproachable light. And, you know, we're, we're even going to need new bodies to even be in His presence. That's how intense it is. It's so wonderful. And He goes on, He says, Whom no man has seen or can see, to Him be honor and everlasting power. Amen. And certainly He's not only speaking of Jesus, but He's speaking about God the Father who is Spirit. He is Spirit. And, and so He dwells, Jesus and the Father, they dwell in unapproachable light. And notice going on in verse 7, he says, He who is true. Here's another descriptor of Jesus that he gives to this church at Philadelphia. And this word true is literally, it's exact opposite of counterfeit or fiction. It is truth in every sense of the word, in every facet of the word. So when he says that he is true, he's talking about he's true in everything. He's true in character, he's true in thought, 
He's true in his motives. Everything is true. There is no darkness in him at all. There is no darkness. And because of God's omniscience and his omnipotence, meaning he knows all things and he's also all-powerful, there's no reason for him to lie. There's no reason for him to not be true. Because if you are omniscient and omnipotent, you know all things and you can't change. See, you and I, we lie to each other because we are hiding the truth. But the truth is we may have done something, but we don't want each other to know that. So what do we do? We lie. But see, God doesn't have to lie. Because he's all-powerful, he's perfect, and so he doesn't need to lie. So he can, he's always truthful in the way he acts, the way he speaks. Everything that he does is truth. In fact, in John chapter 14, verse 6, it's one of my favorite verses, and hopefully one of your favorites too. Jesus spoke to his disciples. In fact, let me back up to verse 1. Jesus said to his disciples there in the upper room, He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus says. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. And wherever I go, you know, and the way you know. And then I love Thomas because he said to the Lord at this point, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? And then Jesus said those fateful words, those wonderful words. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Did you hear that? That means that there's no other way to get to heaven other than through Christ, because Jesus' name is Jehovah Shua, which means God's salvation. And if that is the truth, then that is the only salvation Uh, We have to believe in Him and what He did and who He is in order to gain entrance into heaven. I mean, if God who created all things said, This is my Son, hear Him, I'd better be listening and I'd better be submitting my heart to Him. And why wouldn't I want to submit to Him? I mean, think about all that He has done. I mean, God is so wonderful. Jesus gave himself. He laid his life down willingly for us. And if he did that, and to secure me into heaven for eternity, okay, this is not just some, you know, a couple of weeks in glory. No, this is for eternity, folks. There's a difference between heaven and hell. And there are many that are going to hell. And there are many that will go to hell, unfortunately. But that's not God's plan. He says he doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. He delights in to know that you are going to be with him. But that is a decision that you and I have to make. So Jesus said to him, I am the only way. I am the only truth. That's literally what it means in the Greek here. And I am the only life. There's no other way. There's no other truth. There's no other life. Gandhi didn't give me the truth. Uh, Muhammad didn't give me the truth. Buddha did not give me the truth. David Koresh didn't give me the truth. Uh, The Zoroastrians didn't give me the truth. There's no one who's given me the truth except Jesus Christ because He is the truth. He is the truth. And I love the truth. Don't you love the truth? I love the truth. I love the truth of the Word of God. I love that Jesus is the truth. What did John say in 1 John chapter 1 beginning in verse 5? He said, This is the message we have heard from Him, speaking of Christ, and declare to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. 
There is no darkness in him at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But Jesus is the truth and he wants us to walk with him. Will you walk with him today? Will you walk with him for the rest of your life? I made that decision when I was 24 years old and I never regret going, never regret that decision. It was the greatest thing that ever happened to me is that decision, that moment where God was uh, speaking to my heart and I knew it. And then I decided, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to resist you anymore. I've been doing my own thing. I've been going my own way for far too long. And 24 years is not a long time either. But by 24, you kind of know the things in the world. You know the lust of the flesh very well. You're you're a master at it by 24, and so was I. And yet God says, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. God is calling you too. Will you give your life to Him? But notice what He says at the end of verse 7 here. He also says, not only is He holy, not only is He true, but He who has the key of David, He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. A key, it speaks of admittance into something that lies beyond, doesn't it? You know, when you're invited into someone's home, uh, back at this time, hospitality was something that was greatly valued. You could expect your host not only to wash your feet, but to feed you, to give you rest, to give you refreshment, certainly water and fellowship. That was part of the culture of that day. Fellowship was extremely important. And you need a key, don't you, to get into a door that is locked. And um, I want to share something with you, uh, because as we look at this this phrase here in this uh, verse 7 here at the bottom, when Jesus says, I am he who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no man opens. Now remember when this was written. This letter was written around 95, 96 AD, okay? But way back in the book of Isaiah, some 700 years before Jesus would be incarnate through the Virgin Mary and come into the world, uh, it says uh, in Isaiah chapter 22, uh, verse 20, And this passage is really speaking of a king back at that time in the land of of Judah, in Israel. And the king at that time was Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good king. And his second in command was a man named Shebna. And Shebna, at some point, and the Bible doesn't really tell us what happened, but he did something that really caused his office to be, for him to be demoted in a sense. And there was another man named Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, And he was going to be steward in Shebna's place. And in fact, in Isaiah chapter 22, beginning in verse 20, the Lord talks about this this, uh, change of the guard, in a sense, uh, under the reign of Hezekiah. And this was right before Israel went into captivity by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. But notice what it says in verse 20 of Isaiah 22. It says, Then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, And I will clothe him with your robe. Now he's speaking, God is speaking to Shebna at this time. He's saying, you're going to be replaced. And notice, I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And notice, verse 22, here it is. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder. So he shall open and no one shall shut and he shall shut, and no one will open. And what it's speaking of there is this Eliakim, 
uh, of the son of Hilkiah, he would actually be steward over the king Hezekiah's, over his treasury in a sense. And whenever Hezekiah, or I'm sorry, whenever Eliakim would open that door to the treasury, only he had the key to get in to that treasury. And he had the key also to shut it and to lock it. And so all of the riches of Hezekiah and his kingdom were at this man's disposal. And so when Jesus here now in uh, Revelation is speaking this very same thing, it ought to bring us back to this very passage in Isaiah because uh, Eliakim was the steward of the riches of the kingdom at that time of Hezekiah. And now Jesus is saying, I am the one who holds the key of David. In other words, I am the one who holds the riches to eternity, to the heavenly realm, to heaven itself. I hold the riches to those things. And so that's what is meant, and that's why Jesus mentioned this here in chapter 3, verse 7. Jesus said of himself, I am he who has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no man opens. You know, the Lord has the keys. He has the keys. And throughout Scripture, you see the Lord speaking of keys. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but uh, the Lord has the keys to the kingdom, and He gives them to whomever He will. If you recall in Matthew chapter 16, uh, beginning in verse 18, Uh, Jesus speaking to Peter here, and he says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on this declaration that you made, Peter, that that I am the, the Son of the living God, that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, upon that rock, upon that truth, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And so the Lord, in a sense, is giving to Peter uh, the the keys to the kingdom of heaven, so to speak. And, And the Lord has those keys, and he gives them to whomever he will. And he also has keys to the death to death and hell. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, we saw this earlier. Jesus referred to himself. He said, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. No one goes to that place except the Lord opens that door and they are, they are put there of their own volition because of the choices that they have made. God doesn't send anyone to hell. We make that decision way ahead of time. We make that decision by the way we live our life, by the actions, by the things that come out of our mouth. If we do not repent and turn to the Lord and, and, and receive Christ into our heart and we are born again, we will go to that place. It is that simple. We choose whether we go there or not. And so Jesus has the keys to that. He also has the key to the bottomless pit. It says in Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, and I'll just read the first verse. Then the fifth angel sounded, which we're going to get to this portion of Scripture here in in, in probably a couple months, actually. The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star or an angel fall from heaven to the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And we'll talk more about that later. But the, the idea is that the Lord holds the keys. And he's got a key. And he's got a key to your heart. Are you going to allow him to open that? Are you going to open yourself up to him? Again, a key is something that will you gain entrance into something. And Jesus has the keys to heaven and hell and all authority in between, including on earth. What does it say in Psalm 24? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell therein. He 
It is His. It belongs to Him. Notice in verse 8 now, he says, I know your works. He says to the church at Philadelphia, I know the toil that you've been going through. I know the work that you've been doing. And I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. And again, when the Lord sets before this church an open door, no one can shut it. It it is an invitation, isn't it? It's a welcoming into something and it's assured and no one can take it away. Nobody can steal it. Do you see that? I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. Believe me, if God opens a door, there is nothing on earth, no one on earth, no one in the universe that can shut that door. And alternately, when he shuts a door, there is no one that can open it. No amount of money, no amount of intrigue, no amount of of Russian collusion. There's nothing that can stop that from happening. When God closes a door, no one can open it. And when he opens it, there is nothing and no one that can open it up. And they can't steal it. They can't take it. I love what it says in Matthew chapter 6. This is such a wonderful passage. Beginning in verse 19, Jesus speaking to His disciples, He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust they destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there where your heart, your heart be also. And to me, that's an encouraging thing because as, as I have collected things in my life and have material possessions, you know, one thing that is true, they always break down. Eventually they rust. Eventually they lose their luster. I can wax. I can do all these things. I can take care of it. But eventually it's starting to break down. And my, my, even my desire to take care of those things begins to lessen sometimes. And, and just by nature, it decays. It decays. All I have to do is nothing and, and decay happens. And yet God is saying, where is your treasure? If your treasure is on the things of the earth, you know, people can break in and steal those things. These things are going to rust. But the things that you allow the Lord to do in you and through you, those are the things that are going to last for eternity. And those are the things, folks, that we are going to receive reward from. You can read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 and 10, and it speaks about that, about this uh, the rewards that we as believers are going to receive. And, and, and these are things that God even does in us. He does them in us, and then we get rewarded for it. I mean, how awesome is that? I mean, that is a great thing. So when God opens up something and He wants it to be open or closed, no one is going to change it. No one. Go with me to John chapter 10, uh, beginning in verse 22. Actually, let me read to you just beginning for the sake of time, start beginning in verse 27. Jesus is speaking that about His sheep, you and I, and that there's nothing that can take us from His hand. There's nothing that can take us out of His hand. And that's an encouraging thought. I don't know how you feel, but to me I'm very encouraged with that thought. Notice what He says in verse 27. He says, Jesus says, My sheep, they hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. Just as, you know, David was a great shepherd and he would speak to his sheep. And I've seen this myself in in Bethlehem uh, many years ago and uh, even recently. I mean, the the shepherd uh, would speak. He would just mention, he would even maybe just make a noise with his mouth and the sheep know that voice. They know that sound and they know what it means and they follow the shepherd. It's wonderful to see. And yet we 
are God's sheep, right? He says, my sheep hear my voice, verse 27, and I know them and they follow me. And notice, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Never perish. Now, some of us may die physically, but we'll never perish spiritually. We're never going to be in that place of eternal torment. But those who hear him, he gives eternal life, and they shall never perish because we'll be with him. And neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Notice that. No one. No one. Because when God opens, he opens, and no one can shut. And when he shuts, nobody can open it again. And so it is with us as well. You know, when he calls us, it is a... It is a promise that He gives. He does not take it away. You can't lose your salvation once you receive it. Once you're a child of God, you are always a child of God. And so that is something that is uh, significant. But notice, let me read it again. John 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Did you hear that? That's a glorious promise. And I love the fact that once you're in Christ, there's no one that can take you out of His hand. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 34. Speaking of this idea of the Lord, and it's really about uh, faithfulness. You know, I've set before you an open door. An open door is an opportunity. It's, it's a, certainly it's an invitation, but it also speaks of an opportunity and opportunities. Notice what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 34, 35. I'm sorry. He says, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, Jesus speaking to his disciples. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, notice, he knocks, and he's knocking because there's a door. So he's knocking on the door, that when he knocks, they may open to him, what? Immediately. Not next week, not delayed, but immediately. And he says in verse 37, Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, shall find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore... You also, and he's speaking to us too, be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And then Peter said, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And Jesus said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will make him ruler over all that he has. And again, this speaks of stewardship, right? Of responsibilities, of opportunities to minister. And when Jesus opens a door, that's also what it is. There's an opportunity here. And Jesus goes on here, verse 44, Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, My master is delayed, is delaying his coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come in a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour when he is not aware. And I will cut him in two, and point him, appoint him his portion with the unbelievers, and that servant who knew his master's will, and did not prepare himself, or do according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes." 
But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. And here it is, for every one to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to him who has been committed, of him they will ask the more. And so this speaks of opportunities, opportunities that we have. And you know, when we look at this verse, when Jesus uh, says, bear with me here, in verse 8, he says, I will set before you an open door. You know, if we compare or contrast this with what we're going to talk about next week, and let me just give you a, a, a brief sneak preview of that in Revelation chapter 3. verse. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.